Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. Good morning. Let's pray before I start. Father, thank you that we are able to come together here this morning and meet with you. And we pray that through your spirit, you speak to each of us individually this morning. In your precious name. Amen. So it's the 8th of December. Can we officially say it is Christmas? Yeah? Hands up. Who, who thinks it's Christmas? 8th of December. Who, who thinks it's not Christmas? Oh. Who's, who's already decorated their house completely? Who hasn't decorated at all? And who's not planning to decorate at all? Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Well, I don't, I don't actually have a tree in my flat, so I'm not really one to talk. I'm not planning on getting one because I'm not here at Christmas. But I am trying to do as much as I can to feel Christmassy. But I don't know if there's anyone like me that feels like they can't really start feeling Christmassy until the election is done. Until we no longer have to turn on the news and read about the election and hear about the election. Is there anyone like that that's like, once the election's done, then we can start thinking about Christmas? <laughs> what election? There's something about the election, for me, that is stopping me from really feeling excited about Christmas. That's stopping me from really getting into the Christmas spirit to get excited about what's to come. And what I think it is, what I think it is for me um, personally that's stopping me is the hopelessness that surrounds the election. And this isn't a comment on any particular person or any particular party. What I'm talking about is the, the, um, the task of these we need to almost fix in this country. And because of that, we see so many things that are, that are said by these in the manifestos of these different parties. This is what's wrong. This is how we're going to plan to fix it. And I was having a scan through a few manifestos um, the other day, and, and I, I read straight away, just from scanning through, I read in all these manifestos about the rise in homelessness and how we can fix that. I was reading about climate change. I was reading about how the gap between the rich and the poor has, is getting bigger and bigger. And I've been reading about how there are kids going to school without any food. There are kids going to school and they can't afford pencils. They can't afford pens. And teachers are having to come in and sneak them pencils, sneak them pens, pay for their food. There's hopelessness that we can see sometimes in not just this country, but throughout the world. And this election helps us to see this, that so many people might feel hopeless. Hope is something that seems to be disappearing from our world. People are feeling more and more hopeless. In December, uh, on December the 17th, 1927, there was a US Navy submarine. And the submarine was doing some checks and as it came up to the top of the water to do some of these uh, tests to the submarine, it crashed into 
another US Navy ship. And it started to sink straight away. And after five minutes, this submarine had sunk to the bottom of the sea. And straight away, there was a mission. How can we get to this wreckage? How can we save anyone that might still be alive in this submarine? And it took 24 hours for finally a diver to get right to the bottom of the sea and to get to this point where they were there, where the, the wreckage of this submarine was. And the diver started knocking on this submarine. And after a few minutes, through Morse code, they were t- uh, the diver was talking to one of the 40 people that were in this submarine. And this person said, there are six people, by Morse code, said there are six people still alive in this submarine. Save us. And as time went on, one by one, these guys that were still alive were dying. As air supply was leaving them, they were dying. And tragically, the last person, just before they died, sent this message to the diver. Is there any hope? Hope. It's something that we all long for. It's something that we need. Hope gives us fuel to keep going when life feels unlivable. Hope gives us fuel when we're stuck in a situation and we feel like there's no way out of this situation. Hope can keep us going. Hope gives us the fuel to keep going when you feel stuck. And it is Advent at the moment, the 8th of December, and I could not do this sermon today without talking about the Christmas story. I love Christmas far too much not to talk about the Christmas story. And the Christmas story is a story surrounded in, full of hope. It's a story the word hope. We often say hope, but really we mean wish. Yesterday, I was, um, I'm a Bournemouth fan. I support Bournemouth. And yesterday we had Liverpool. Now, Liverpool have, haven't lost a game in something like 35 games or something ridiculous like that. And Bournemouth, how many? How many was it? 38 games, even worse. And Bournemouth, we'd lost our last four games in a row We had 11 of our normal uh, squad of 18 injured, and we had absolutely no chance. Absolutely no chance. But but yesterday morning, I was saying to my friend, I'm actually quite hopeful. We're going to win this game. We lost 3-0, which was quite a good result for us. Um, But I said hope. But what I really meant was wish. It wasn't really an expectation that we would win this game. And the hope that's found in the Christmas story, the hope that we're talking about, is based on the person, the person of Jesus Christ. And this hope is a hope that is an expectation of a reality. We're not talking about a wish. We're not talking about a last resort feeling. We're talking about an expectation that we get, a hope that the Christmas story gives us, hope to the hopeless. So what is this hope that the Christmas story has? Uh, We're going to turn together. If you've got your Bibles or your phones, um, turn to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. 
but it is going to be on the screen behind me, so don't feel like you have to. Okay, it says this. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and gave him the name Jesus. In some of our worship songs that we sing at Riverside, we often talk about the name of Jesus. There's a a song where where we say, what a beautiful name, what a wonderful name, what a powerful name, the name of Jesus. And what we're not saying here is what you say to any uh, new mum who's just called their son Joshua or their daughter anything. And you're just saying, oh, why the name Jesus is beautiful. The name Jesus is wonderful. There are loads of people called Jesus in this world. What we're saying is what the name Jesus represents. The different names that Jesus has. That is what is wonderful. That is what is powerful. That is what is beautiful. And I want to talk about one of those names uh, for Jesus that we see in this passage this morning. And what I'd love to do is um, to look at how this name brings hope to the hopeless. And we're going to look at the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And I'd love it this morning if we just fed on those words, if we chewed on on those words, what it means. And I'm not going to say anything this morning that is revolutionary, that you would have never, ever, ever heard before if you even went to millions and millions of talks. What I'm going to say today is something simple, but my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will speak to your individual situation and the Holy Spirit will speak hope into your situation. So we're literally just going to look through each one of these words, God with us and what this means for us and how that gives us hope. So we're going to start with the word us, God with us, God with us. When I first started at Bible college, uh, this is four years ago now, when I first started at Bible college, I was studying theology and worship. And it was the study of the theology behind the songs that we sing on a Sunday morning. And I went in thinking, I I kind of knew my stuff, you know. I I thought, you know, I was in an okay position. I've been in loads of worship bands before, so I know that side of things. And, um, And I 
I thought, you know, I've been in church for quite a while, so I must know my theology to a certain extent. So quite arrogantly, I walked into my first lecture, and I thought, I'm going to say something this morning that is going to revolutionise the way that we do worship. So I was like, this is, this is, my, this is my time. People are going to read about this moment. So I walked in, and straight away, we were critiquing modern worship. The first question that we were chatting about is, was, um, was how do you think our modern worship is received by God? And I went in straight away, and I was like, I'm going to say something really holy now. Are you ready for this? I said, do you know what I think? We talk too much about us. We need to start singing just about God, just about Jesus, and we need to stop singing about Jesus and us. We need to stop singing about God and us. We need to just sing about Jesus. And I thought that was a really, really holy thing to say. You know, make it all about God. Don't make it about me. And my lecturer turns to me and says this. Jesus' name is Emmanuel. Jesus' name is God with us. God with us. We cannot talk about Jesus without talking about us, without talking about what he did for us. We are caught up so much in the story of Jesus that we're in his name. We're caught up so much in his story that when we sing what a beautiful name, we're talking about what he did for us. And in that song, what a beautiful name that I was talking about, it puts it so well. It says, you didn't want heaven without us. So Jesus, you brought heaven down. And the Bible puts it even better. In Isaiah 9, it says, to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And when the angel uh, talks to the shepherds about Jesus coming, the angel says, a saviour has been born to you. A saviour has been born to you. You cannot have Jesus in the Christmas story without talking about what he did for us. You cannot have Jesus in the Christmas story without talking about us. Jesus came not just to stroll around the earth, not just to have a look at what it's like to be on the earth. Jesus came for people. Jesus came for relationship with people. And not only are we part of the story, not only did he come for us, but Jesus came as one of us. I think sometimes for Christians, this is the hardest bit for us to really grasp. For those, those of us that would call ourselves Christians, it's quite easy to talk about Jesus being God, but it's harder to actually think that Jesus was a human. Jesus was a baby boy. He was vulnerable. In contrary to the awful Christmas carol that says, no crying he makes, Jesus cried. Jesus needed his head to be held up by his mother. Jesus needed feeding. Jesus chose, the creator of the world chose to become reliant 
on human beings for Jesus' survival. He chose to rely on humans. Why? Why did he do this? Because he wants relationship with us. He wanted to bring hope to the hopeless. Part of becoming one of us, part of Jesus being one of us, part of being born as a human is this. He went through tough times. He went through horrendous times. Jesus understands what we're going through. Sometimes it can feel like Jesus couldn't understand because although he died on the cross, he must have lived this life. Because he was God, he must not have felt pain. But no, Jesus understands what we're going through because Jesus had tough times. He was betrayed by Judas. He was alone in the desert. He was tempted. He was tortured. He was bullied. He felt physical pain. He felt emotional pain. He cried. He grieved. Jesus understands the rubbish that we sometimes go through. Jesus understands the moments where we feel hopeless, the pain we go through, because Jesus went through it as well. But what's even greater is that he chose to go through that pain. He chose to go through it knowing that he would have this pain. He chose to come knowing that he would live through this pain so that he could be with you and me, so that he can live with you and me, and so that he could understand everything about what we're going through. And Emmanuel, when we say Emmanuel, God with us, we're not just talking about the people here in this room. We're not just talking about those that call themselves Christians. Emmanuel, God with us, is with everyone. God came to be with people. God came for everyone. And that's why we want to invite people to come this Christmas time to hear about the message of Jesus. Because we want people to know that Jesus came for them. There's no one excluded from Jesus's love. There's no one excluded from Jesus's love. He came for everyone. And that is why we want to share this great news with people because he came for them. God with us. God with us. When we talk about God being with us, we're not saying that God is with us in a vague and an impersonal way. I don't know if you've ever been chatting to someone and suddenly they just drop a name. Suddenly they just name drop someone big and just act casually as if to the Queen the other day and just casually talk about it as if it's not a big deal. I was talking to my mate on the phone the other day, my friend Jake, who lives in LA, and we were chatting and suddenly he was just like, oh yeah, I was with Justin Bieber the other day. And I was like, you can't just casually say that. You can't just casually tell me you were with Justin Bieber. I was like, tell me, what's he like? Is he a good guy? And I was asking, I mean, I'm, I'm not a fanboy of Justin Bieber, but I wanted to know what Justin Bieber was like. So I started asking all these questions. What's he like? What's he like? And he said, oh, well, I was playing football with him. 
he was in the other team. And he showed me all these, these photos of the game. And Justin Bieber's on one team in right back. And my friend Jake was in right back for the other team. And I was like, great, you played football with him. Now tell me, what's he like? And he was like, well, I didn't really chat to him. I was, I was on a football pitch. We were the complete opposite places from each other. We didn't chat. I didn't take him for a beer, but I was with him. And this isn't the kind of with us that Jesus is. Jesus isn't in the same place as us, isn't just nearby us, but he's intimately with us. Jesus didn't come to be with us in a nearby way, but he came to be present among us. And Jesus himself was a human. So as a human, he could only talk to a certain amount of people each day. I couldn't talk to everyone in the world in one day. But, but Jesus, when he descended to heaven, he said, I'm going to leave my spirit. And when he was saying this to the disciples and the disciples were saying, no, don't go. Don't go back to heaven. Don't go. We need you here. Jesus said this. Oh, no, I think it's backwards. There we go. He said, it is in your vantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, talking about the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. Jesus leaves his spirit and says, it's better that you have my spirit than you have me walking around. Why is that? Why did Jesus say that? Jesus said that because his spirit can be with all of us intimately at one time. His spirit can be with us always intimately. And this intimacy of God being with us is shown beautifully in the nativity story. Jesus wasn't with Mary in an impersonal way, but had the intimacy of a mother-child relationship. Jesus was intimately with Mary. It's always been on God's heart to be with his creation. Jesus came to earth because that was how he could have relationship with us. Jesus came to earth because it was the only way he can have this intimacy with us. The Old Testament laws were given so that a holy God could have relationship with an unholy people. And the law said, if you do these things, then I'm able to have this relationship with you. But when we turned away and we couldn't keep this, God said, that's it, I'm taking it into my own hands. He didn't want heaven without us, so he brought heaven down. He took it into his own hands and he said, I'm going to send Jesus to be with you intimately, to walk alongside you, to hold your hand to be with you. We have the hope that God is with us. Whatever you're going through, even if you feel like, um, feel like it's, it's a hopeless situation, even if you feel stuck in a situation, even if you don't know what your hope is, this is it, that he is with you and wants intimate relationship with you. And this is why Jesus came. He came because he longs to bring you comfort in your sorrows. 
and share in your joy. To give you hope when there's no hope. Because Jesus is with you. God with us. This person that we're saying is with us, this person that wants this relationship with you, this person that came to earth to be with you, it's not just a friend, it's not just a comforter, but it's God. If we hear this word a lot, if we hear the word God, it's so easy to become casual about it. Those that have spent a lot of time in church have heard it lots, and it just becomes a word that we say. But if you just take a moment to think what this claim is, the claim that God is with you. God is with you. He became flesh and made his dwelling among us. When we say that God is with us, what we're saying is the Almighty is with us. The healer is with us. The comforter is with us. The provider is with us. The shepherd is with us. The one whose glory is so great that if you saw him, you would die instantly. He is with us. He is with you. Uh, Theologian uh, Spurgeon said something about this that I just think is amazing about God with us. He said this. God was manifest in the flesh. He was born at Bethlehem. Sorry, he who was born at Bethlehem is God and God with us. God, there lies the majesty. God with us, there lies the mercy. God, therein is glory. God with us, therein is grace. God alone might might well strike us with terror, but God with us inspires us with hope and confidence. And the songwriter and preacher John Wesley um, on his deathbed said, best of all, best of all, God is with us. The almighty God is with you. The almighty God is with me. And this is what brings hope to the hopeless. Whatever situation you might find yourself in, whether you feel like you can't get out of it, whether you feel hopeless, whether you feel like there's nothing you can do, this is the truth to hold on to. That almighty God wants to be intimately with you. And sometimes this can just feel like something academic. We can say God is with us, but it's hard for it to actually feel like God is with us when we're going through rubbish times. Sometimes it's hard to really feel like God is with us. What God says is lean into me. He says, lean into me. I am with you and I will be with you to the end of the age. Trust in what he says and he will bring you out of that place. He will, bring along, he will get alongside you and show you his love. He came for you, individually. He came for you, to this earth. Jesus is with you. God is with you. 
This is why we want our friends to come at Christmas. This is why we want people to know who he is, because Jesus came for you. God is with us. Let's pray. Father, thank you that even when we feel like there's no hope, you give us the greatest hope we could possibly imagine, that you are with us. Father, thank you for the sacrifice that you made so that we know that you, could, you understand what we're going through. Creator God chose to go through this time of pain because he loves us, so that we know that he is with us. Thank you, Lord, that this is the hope that we can hold on to. And we just pray that this isn't just an academic thing that God is with us, but Spirit, will you place that in our hearts in a way that we cannot get rid of? Lord, place that in our hearts to be a truth that leads us through the place of hopelessness. Thank you, God, that you are with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.